0: Too, thank, yes, thank you. Thank you. Well, the excitement at least made it back to the third row. I, I felt the same way, right? All right, let's lift our hearts to the Lord. Father, we just love you today, and we thank you so much for being in our midst, for being present here today, and we ask you to touch our hearts this morning, touch every heart here in a special way, God. Let this year. Be a great year, a year that glorifies you in every way. Bless the pastor. Let the word come forth. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So if you were here last week, first of all, you're crazy. Um, And second of all, you're going to hear some of the same sermon. Uh, and I hope that's all right um, this is this 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 series that we're calling on a mission uh, is a series that I really 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 want everybody to hear. I really want everybody and if you don't get this first piece um, of this four part series, then the rest can get very wooden it can get very religious um, because our mission first of all our mission here at U city family Church and your mission as Christians is to become a disciple and to make disciples. That's really what we're all called to do. That's why our little mission statement is engaging minds, encouraging hearts, and empowering hands. Ultimately, what we're about, what this church about, is one thing. It's about empowerment. It's about empowering people to do what God has called them to do to bring glory to God. That's the whole theme. That's it. That's the whole thing that we do. That's the whole mission of our church. Uh, And without the intimacy piece, it's just religious. It's just like, it's just perfunctory performance. And that's not what we're called to. Um, So I'm going to do a few weeks uh, on this. I may squeeze a couple of these together. Um, so that so that we can start a new series in February. But today we're going to talk about getting intimate, and we're going to be talking about getting intimate with God, drawing close to God, and what that means. And then we're going to talk about getting focused, getting clarity, and and, and focused on what our particular mission is. Then we're going to talk about getting right, which is aligning our hearts, aligning our minds, aligning our attitudes, aligning our conduct with the Word of God, because that's number one, liberating, and number two, it demonstrates our love for Jesus. Um, And and it's it's a really, really good way to live, too, Um, even though we can't all do it perfectly all the time. It's what we strive for. And then the fourth one is getting out, which is taking this mission, taking our purpose, taking God's love, mercy and grace and extending it to other people. Uh, We are a church that believes in embedding ourselves deeply in the community around us. We want to not only take the gospel out, but we also want to serve the needs of the people in our community. We want to do both. That's what Jesus did. He fed people. He took care of people. He loved people. He looked after them. And then he spread his gospel to them and he died for them and and, and brought life to them. And that's what we want to do as a church. Amen. Um, Okay, so today we're going to talk about intimacy. Um, And our mission has to begin with drawing close to. The mission giver, um, the apostles, those who follow Jesus, if you'll recall, spent years right next to him, like physically next to him. They ate with him. They talked with him. They laughed with him. They they slept out in the wilderness next to him. They camped out with him. They spent time drawing close to Jesus. And as a result of that closeness. They gleaned the power, they gleaned the the information, they gleaned what they needed to glean from him, so that when he left, they could go out and do the mission to which he called them so we want to we want to do that ourselves here. we want to draw close to the mission giver today and i 'm going to start with a quote uh, from a guy named John Piper last Sunday, I gave this quote at the end of the service, and uh, there were some young high schoolers here from East Peoria, East Peoria, they pointed out, not just Peoria, East Peoria. And, and when I, when I gave this John Piper quote, man, they all got really excited. They were all sitting right on the second row. And I was like, Oh, you guys like that? Do you like that quote? I'm going to put that at the beginning next Sunday. So here it is. John Piper says, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, It is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. Yeah. Thank you, John Piper. I appreciate Uh, it. You know, when you when you're nibbling on like little things, you don't have room for the great. And, And a lot of us. It's not that our hearts are full with God. It's that our hearts are full with piddly, trivial things. And there's no room for the expansive greatness of God's power and love and mercy in our lives. What I like about that quote, too, is. Is that it describes intimacy in the way that I understand it as well. It it says that your intimacy with God creates a desire for even greater intimacy. In other words, you don't fill up, you want more. Your intimacy creates, it generates a desire for greater intimacy. Your your drinking after the the love and the mercy of God's fountain makes you thirsty for more. When you're eating at the banquet table of God's love, it makes you hungry for more. Um, We don't fill up. The more we are with him, the more we want him. So think today in your mind's eye, just do a little exercise with me, all right? Think of your closest friend. Think of your closest confidant, the one person in life that you trust the most. Think of the person with whom you share your deepest secrets. Now, I know some of you share your deepest secrets on Facebook, so that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the one person that if you were stranded on a desert island. That's the person that you would want with you. Who is that person? And it can't be a pet. It has to be a human being. Okay. Especially not a cat. Cats are the spawn of Satan. We all know that. Um, Sorry. Whoever that person is for you, whoever that person that is that intimate person, right? That is the person that you have allowed into your heart. The word intimate actually comes from the same root as the word interior. You have allowed some person or if you haven't, then then I would encourage you to at some point in your life, allow some person to penetrate that membrane between your soul and the rest of the world and find a home inside of you and you find a home inside of them. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you've done that you've you've opened your heart to someone or maybe it's a parent or maybe it's just a very good friend or, or a, um, a spouse or something like that. And so we see a picture of intimacy in our relationships. And the scripture is calling us to that same kind of intimacy with the almighty creator of the universe. Um, we uh, there's a picture of our Christmas tree uh, here. We, we, we went on vacation this year. And, um, there's really, it really is now. Okay. Um, it's the next picture there. Yeah. So there it is. Um, don't judge me because our Christmas tree is up. Okay. It's still up. But, um, the thing with this Christmas tree and, and Jameson, my, my little, my little five year old and my wife and I were all talking about this because he doesn't want the Christmas tree to come down. He thinks Christmas tree should stay up. And so far, he's winning. Um, but I was trying to explain to him. I said, listen, the Christmas tree, it looks pretty, right? The, the, the lights are still on it. The decorations are still on it. It actually still smells nice. And if you just look at it, it looks good, right? And if you drive by our house at night and the lights are on, you know, it sort of sparkles and twinkles and it looks nice. But the truth of the matter is that tree is dead. Okay? That tree will never will never produce another bud. It will never produce another pine needle. It will never produce another branch. That tree is dead. Why? Because it is totally cut off from the source of life. It's cut off from the sustenance that it would receive through the root system. It's cut off from the nourishment Of the ground around it and the water that it would have received it's totally cut off from the nutrients that it needs to survive. So even though it looks good, it's dead. Now, how does this Christmas tree translate? If there's a part of your life, and I think probably if we're all honest with ourselves, we would we would all admit there are parts of our life that although ostensibly they are going fine everything seems okay everything is looking okay no one really knows that there's a crack in the army somewhere down in our hearts there's a passion missing or there's a a deadness or a listlessness in our heart in our spirit about some aspect of our life it may be at our job it may be in a relationship maybe at our school it may be that our pursuit of a career is not where it where we want it to be and there's a lack of excitement there's a lack of vigor there's a lack of passion does that is anybody experience that in any area of their life because if I experience it I know you experience it because I'm like a I'm like you know I've got all pistons firing most of the time but even I can say man I know there are parts of me that are just they're not they're not energized they're not strengthened they're not flowing with the power that I believe God has for us and the reason is is because that that part of our life, perhaps we have not allowed God to invade that part of our life. And so that part of our life is not nourished. It's not got sustenance. It's not getting the nutrients that it needs from the Holy Spirit. Listen to what uh, Jesus says about this intimacy idea. In John 15, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. So he's talking about intimacy. I in you and you in me. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. What is he saying? He's saying, get intimate with me. If you want real fruit in your life, if you want to produce real, meaningful, powerful fruit in your life, you've got to get intimate with the source of life himself. Draw close to me and I will draw close to you. The scripture says as the deer pants for the water, the psalm says. So my soul longs after you, O Lord, reach after God. Find that intimacy with God um, So as we start this year, I want to challenge each and every one of you. If there's a part of you that is not alive, if there's a part of you that is passionless and listless and not not producing the kind of fruit that 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 God really wants. I want to invite you to invite God into that part of your life. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about it because I know that's sort of a a big overarching uh, statement. But but the statement is this get intimate with God. Get intimate with God this year. Um, Acts says, Acts 17 says, God is not far from us. It says he, in, in him, we live and we move and we have our being. That means that the spirit of God is in us and with us and among us at all times. He's closer than your next breath. So you may say, okay, good, got it. Let's get intimate with God. Hurrah. How do we do this? Um, the first thing I want to say is that true intimacy begins with true identification. True intimacy begins with true identification. if you 're taking notes, write that one down. True intimacy begins with true identification. What do I mean? So this is a story that I did tell last week, and so but I can it 's too good of a story i 've got to tell it again. So a few weeks ago, I was driving my car up by the St. Louis Art Museum. And I think I had the boys with me, and we were driving up there by, this, by the art museum, and I pull up to a stop sign, and across the street from the other side pulls up another car, okay? And it's a white Pontiac Firebird, a Firebird from the mid-'80s, okay? It's got big wheels. It's kind of sitting low to the ground. It's got the stereo bumping, you know? All the single ladies is bumping through the... and. And the guy is like lean back in the car and he's like kind of nodding to the thing. And, you know, and, and I'm kind of I'm already chuckling, you know, because this guy is just so I don't I don't even know what the word is. He's just that thing. Yeah. So he's rolling. And then so he kind of turns in front of me and then it, and then just the, the icing on the cake is that his license plate said, Mr. Wright, Mr. Wright, But he spelled it R. I. T. E right? Because he was just that cool that he didn't even have to spell it correctly. He's Mr. Right. And I want to say to all the single ladies in the house today, he's not Mr. Right. Okay. I can tell you right now that that's probably not Mr. Right. Now I could be wrong, but I have a feeling in my heart (laughs) that that's not Mr. Right. Um, And brother, if you're here today, um, let's just talk after the sermon. I'm sorry for messing with your game. But um, Jesus said in Matthew 16, Jesus was hanging out with his disciples. He was spending time with his disciples. He had already gone around Nazareth and Galilee. He had been healing people. He had been preaching to people. He had been feeding people, had been doing all this. And so he turns to his disciples and he kind of takes an informal poll, an opinion poll. And he said, guys, who do people say that the son of man is? He's talking about himself. Who do people say that I am? And they said, some say that you're John the Baptist and others say that you're Elijah and others say that you're Jeremiah. These are prophets uh, or, or one of the other prophets, he said. And then Jesus said to them, and this is the question that he asks of each one of us. Who do you say that I am? Who do you think I am? How would you identify me? If we're going to get intimate, I want to know if you know who I am. Who do you say that I am? And Simon, Peter, if you know Simon, Simon is the guy who always answers, but rarely gets it right. Simon is the gunner of the class. He's the guy on the front row with his hand in the air going, I, I know the answer to this, right? But he almost never gets it right. Simon says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him. Blessed are you, Simon. Simon Barjona. Barjona just means the son of Jonah. Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And he says, and I tell you this, Simon. Wait, he didn't call him Simon. I tell you this, Peter. In this moment, Jesus changed Simon's name from Simon to Peter. Because Peter means rock. Okay. He says, I tell you this, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell hell shall not prevail against it. What just happened in this crazy interaction? What just happened is that Jesus said, can you properly identify me? And when Peter properly identified Jesus, Jesus properly identified Peter. He said, okay, now that you know who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. You're a rock, Peter. And now I can convey my power to you because you know who I am. I know who you are. You know who you are. And I know who I am. So now we've got it all straightened out. Now we can have true intimacy. Now I can convey my spirit to you. Now I can convey my calling to you because we've got it figured out now. We've got it squared away. So proper identification is requisite. For intimacy with God, God is calling us to understand who he is because he's not just some amorphous spirit that doesn't have a proper identity. He's identified in the scripture and he wants us to know who he is and he wants us to know who we are. Sometimes we know who he is, but we don't really know who we are and we don't have and if we don't have that identification clear, we're not going to be able to have clear uh, intimacy with God. So when Rebecca and I first got together, we liked each other. We were attracted to each other, but we didn't know each other. Right. And in fact, we didn't really know ourselves. If any of you are in a relationship, you know that you start to learn about yourself in the relationship. Right. Man, it's quiet out there, man. But you start to learn about yourself from interacting with the other person. And over the course of time, you, you start to learn more about the other person. You start to learn more about yourself. And that's what happened in our relationship. Have I? Have you still got my can you hear me out there? C- can you? You got me, Sean? OK, you can bring it up a little bit in the monitor. I'm sorry. Um, if If you don't know her or him and you don't know yourself you cannot have that that deep intimacy that you long for um the second piece of of the of the intimacy with god that i want to talk just a minute about is that intimacy requires the removal of distractions intimacy requires the removal of distractions so as we as i carry on this story this this the love story uh Rebecca and I, you know, we got married um, six years ago. And it was December 16th. So we just had our wedding anniversary a few weeks ago. And so it was December 15th we decided, all right, we're going to go on a little staycation. Just, you know, just us and and the boys. (laughs) Um, So just the family. Uh, And we went on Expedia.com and we got one of these, you know, you can go on there and you can get a, you know, a really cut-rate hotel room. Uh, you don't know where you're going to stay, but it's a lot, you know, it's like a quarter of the cost that it would be if you if you bought the, if you just bought it. So anyway, so we get a hotel here in St. Louis, and we're going to, the idea is that on the 15th, which is a Sunday evening, we're going to, Sunday afternoon, we're going to get in the car, we're going to take the boys, we're going to drive downtown, and the boys are going to fall asleep, okay? They're just going to fall asleep, and then we're going to get to the hotel, and then it's just going to be, me and Rebecca and we're going to be able to have some time and just enjoy one another and, and that kind of thing. Um, can you guys hear me okay? I'm sorry, I'm having trouble hearing myself up here, Sean. Um, so this is what we decide to do this is this is what we're going to do. Uh, the best laid plans of mice and men, so to speak. so we got we got in the car, we started driving downtown. And I start realizing, like, man, there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of traffic down here. What I didn't realize is that the Rams were playing the New Orleans Saints on December 15th downtown. And it was at the end of the game. People were starting to come out. Traffic was picking up. St. Louis had won. The New Orleans Saints were – fans were angry. Uh, some of them may have had a little too much to drink. The Hoot uh, chant wasn't going so well at that point. They're they're sort of milling around the street, and, you know, so Rebecca and I, we pull over. We we, we get to our hotel, and then we see there's a little store right down like a block from our hotel, like just about a block or a half a block from our hotel. And we thought, okay, this would be a great idea. We're going to pull over. We're going to grab some snacks, and then in the morning we'll have some snacks so we don't have to go down to the restaurant and whatever. This is a great idea. So we pull over. We go past the hotel, and we pull over at this little shop. Well, you guys know that downtown St. Louis, it's all one way streets. Right. So if you start going one way, you're going to keep going that way for a while. Um, So we pull over. I run in, grab the snacks, come back out. Everything's cool. And so we're like, okay. so all I need to do is just turn around because that's the hotel right there. Just turn around and we'll just the boys are starting to fade off to sleep. Everything is like clockwork. Okay. But the problem is, one way, now there's traffic snarling everywhere, we can't get around, so I mean, we start going this way, and I, the hotel just keeps going further and further and further away, so I'm trying to cut this way and that way, and we just, it's just not, it's not happening. Pretty soon, and I'm not even joking, we ended up down on the landing, well now we're on the landing, we're down past the arch on the landing, and I'm thinking, man, I, really what I want to do is just get right back there, right, because This is our wedding anniversary. We want some intimate time. We want some just some time to ourselves. Right on the landing. Then I see a little opening. I see a little uh, a a little area where there's nobody driving. And because I'm the the smartest driver in St. Louis, right? I think, man, no one has thought of what I just thought of. I'm going to cut around this way and boom in two seconds. I'm going to be back at the hotel. Well, let me tell you something. Somebody has probably thought of pretty much everything you've thought of when it comes to driving. I ended up, and I'm not joking, we ended up on a bike trail, in the car, on a bike trail, heading north towards Alton, Illinois. There's like a huge concrete wall right beside flood wall, and we're driving on the bike trail, going further from the hotel. And at any moment, I thought, you know. A, a, a gang of bicyclists and speedos are going to descend upon us and throw us in the river, so anyway we get we 're driving, driving finally we get off the bike trail somehow and we're i don 't even know where we 're almost in L- we 're almost in Alton like we 're way up north, and so then we come around and finally we circle all the way back, right The boys are not sl- now the boys are waking up because you know uh, i don 't know why because maybe dad's like muttering things under his breath i don 't know anyway, we get back towards the hotel. We're like, and I'm like, okay. Now, you know, it's been an hour. Seriously, an hour. We were half a block. Now it's been an hour. I say, Rebecca, take the boys in. I'm just gonna park the car. I'll be right in, right? She takes it in. I'm not thinking. I pull right back out into that crazy traffic, right? So now I'm, cr- I mean, I'm just like, in I'm in, I'm in crazy person land over here. Finally, I find a place to park. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. You know, I'm upset. We get now. Now we're in the lobby. We get the boys. We get upstairs. We got our room. Okay, so now things are just mellowing out a little bit, right? Things are going to chill out. Everything's going to be cool. Now the distractions have been removed, and everything's going to be great, right? Lincoln fades off to sleep. That's our 3-year-old. Our 5-year-old comes, and he, he kind of walks over to where I am on the bed, and he goes, Dad, I don't, I don't really feel very well. And I go, oh, really? Come here, come here. And I put him up on the bed, and I'm kind of, he lays on his back, and I'm, like, rubbing his hair, and I'm just trying to cool him out. Like, I just want to just calm him down so I can shift him to the other bed. We can, you know, and so I'm just chilling him out and he goes, dad, and I go, yeah, and there's a pause, and then everything that was in his stomach from the last three days went flying directly up towards the ceiling of the hotel, formed a massive umbrella, and fell back down onto the two of us, and I mean, I'm not like, I don't mean a little, bit. I mean, I can't, I don't want to get, yeah, okay, I'll leave it at that. Old faithful is the thing that came to mind. I mean, it was, it was so gross. And so we get him, we put him in the bathtub. I mean, you know, do you know that I didn't feel particularly intimate by that point? Um, because intimacy requires the removal of distractions. In, in, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, listen, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed that fell along the path, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds, he says, fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, who, he who has ears, let him hear. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, if you really want the word that I'm giving to you to take root, you've got to prepare the soil of your heart. You've got to remove the distractions. You've got to remove those things. That are in your heart already. Those weeds that have sprouted up in your heart. And are choking out the true word of God. You've got to remove those. If your heart is hard. You've got you've to cultivate that heart. You've got to work and make the soil good. So that it can be receptive. To the word of God. As he plants it into your heart. You've got to remove. You've got to cultivate it. You've got to fertilize it. You've got to you, you, think of your heart as a garden. And, and you want to have God in there. You've got to cultivate and 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 you, you you've got to nourish your heart. Um, down in Phoenix, when we were down there for the holidays, um, my little boys and their cousin came walking into the house. We were at my mom's house, and they come walking in the house, and they've got these huge oranges in their hands. This is out of my out of my mom's house, and I turned to my mom because I go, "Where are those oranges from?" And she said, "Oh, that's from our orange tree at my orange tree out in the backyard." Well, I used to live at this house, you know, and I. You know, I don't remember, I mean, I do remember an orange tree, but the oranges that it produced were like these little tiny, like just these little tiny raisins of an orange. I mean, they had an orange color, but they they didn't look like that, okay? And I said, well, what happened? She said, oh, yeah, we really started to fertilize that tree. And now this is what it's producing. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you want real fruit to be produced in your life, you've got to, Work that garden you've got to nourish it you've got to fertilize it with the with prayer and with scripture so that it can produce the kind of fruit through intimacy with me it can produce the kind of fruit that i've called you to produce amen at every wedding i officiate i use the same line i love this line i use it every time and i got it from my dad and he used to say the grass is always greener on the side that gets the water Yeah, just let that one sink in the grass is always greener on the side that gets the water Whatever you're nourishing whatever you're cultivating whatever you're whatever you're working on whatever you're gardening That's what's going to grow Um, And finally, I want to just say one more thing about uh, About intimacy with god about drawing close to him and that is that intimacy requires connection Intimacy requires that you deeply connect with god and and i'm going to talk about how to do that If you've seen has anybody ever seen this logo? Have you ever seen one of these things on your computer? Some of you have a pinwheel. I used a pinwheel last week, but but this one I think is a more universal symbol. And basically, when you see this on your computer, that means that your computer is not connecting with whatever it needs to connect with to do whatever it is that you're trying to get it to do, right? When I see this, my impulse is to find the ball-peen hammer in my... uh, toolkit and just gingerly smash that computer into little tiny bits, but I don't do it. Um, what this means is that you've got this computer, but it's, it's not fulfilling the potential that it could fulfill, right? It's not connecting. Somehow, something about your computer is not connecting with what it needs to connect to. Um, if everything is operating correctly, your computer, my computer, can connect to this international network of servers we call the cloud. Anybody ever heard of the cloud? The internet, whatever. It's, it's you, you connect to this international network of servers. There's a massive amount of information and your little laptop sitting right there in your house can connect all over the world, right? But if your laptop is not connecting, then what you just have, you just have a little pile of metal and plastic and soldering and that's it. And glass. That's all it is. When your, com- when your computer is not working properly, it's, 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 it's not able to access all of what it could potentially access. Um, here's the thing. If you're a child of God, if Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you are, as the Bible says, in Christ, then you, like that computer, have immense potential. You have immense power, amazing power to do the things that God has called you to do, provided that you are connected the source, provided that you are connected to the cloud, if you will, of God's glory and power. If you'll allow me to extend this analogy just a little bit, um, you'll remember in the book of Exodus, God used Moses to lead his people out from under the oppressive regime of the Egyptians. And as a sign, when he was leading them out in the wilderness, you remember what the sign was as they're walking through the wilderness? It was a cloud, right? So there was a cloud in the sky and that was the the that was the signal to, to God's people that he was with them. And as they're going through the wilderness, they had already escaped Egypt, but they weren't in the promised land. And so they're out in this sort of liminal place in their life where they're wa- basically wandering around. And they start doing what a lot of us do when we're in between, like when we're not when we're when we're free from what we were enslaved to, but we're not fully fully living out what God has called us to do. We're in this sort of middle phase. And what what Moses needed desperately to do, and what we all desperately need to do, what Moses needed to do was connect with that cloud, right? The people were were, were grumbling. The people were complaining. The people were upset. They wanted to, some of them even said, you know what, it was actually better back in Egypt, right? So Moses took some time, and let's look at Exodus. I'm just going to read this to you. What Moses did is it says in Exodus 24, it says Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelled on the on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. You can click to the next one, Don. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. What does that say? That passage tells us that what Moses was doing to connect deeply with God was that he was praying and fasting. He was praying and fasting. The scripture said he wasn't eating and he was talking with God. He was spending time connecting deeply with God, getting intimate with God. What resulted? from that intimacy what resulted from that intimacy is that god spoke directly into his life and gave him the ten commandments those amazing ethical precepts and commandments that 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 speak to every aspect of human life because moses was taking the time to get intimate with god and allowing god to get intimate with him he was spending time praying adoring god Loving God, worshiping God, opening his heart to God and God and listening to God. And God was speaking back to him. Moses is not the only one in scripture that did this. Ezra fasted and prayed when when about to lead the Israelites out of Babylon. Esther fasted and prayed when she needed to uh, free her people from the tyranny of 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 a bloodthirsty prime minister. Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted. Uh, When they were about to head out on their mission trip. And even Jesus, before he launched his public ministry, spent time in prayer and fasting. Why? Because these ancient people understood something that in our sort of slick, fast-paced, consumeristic age we might miss. And that is that the true source of our power comes from intimacy with God. Drawing close to God. Spending time getting close to God. I want to challenge you today with this, and I'm going to close. Jenna, if you want to come up and play. Um, The true source of your power is going to come from spending time with the Lord. If you're a person who desires a, a life of greater depth, a life of greater purpose, a life of deeper relationships, a life of deeper meaning, a life that is closer to what God would have you be, if you want, if you truly want your life to be different this year than last year, then let it start by drawing close to God. If you just want to get by, if you just want to just trudge through life, wander around in the wilderness of your life, this is not for you. This will, this is, you can just totally disregard this. But if you truly desire something greater, if you don't want to nibble at the table of the world's, you know, food and you want something great in your life, spend time these next two weeks getting close to God. We've got a lot of information on our website about fasting and and how you do it and what kind you do. You don't have to go crazy and, you know, not eat for the next 14 days, but. Find something that you're willing to give up. Find something that you're willing to set aside and say, look, I'm just going to focus on God. I'm going to focus on God. The time that I would spend eating lunch, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go read the scriptures. And just see if, if your life doesn't begin to transform. Just see if, you don't, if, if, if your life doesn't begin to, to reflect more closely what it means to love God. And just see if your life doesn't begin to bear greater fruit this year. Than ever before. I'm going to close with this passage from Isaiah. Isaiah basically gives us the result of fasting. When we do it with the true purpose of bringing God glory through service to others, this is what results. Isaiah 58 says Then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom will be as the noonday, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. And he'll make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I want that for my life. Can you say, man, I want that for your life. I want that for our church. I want this church to be an oasis where people who are spiritually. Dying, starving. Can come and find nourishment. They can come and find God. They can come and find comfort. They can come and find peace. They can come and find strength. And ultimately, they can become empowered to join us on the mission of bringing people into the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what I want for our church. That's what I want for you. Is somebody with me? Come on. Let me pray for you. Uh. And let's just pray that God will, will speak directly into your heart today, that something about this sermon or something about his scripture will speak deeply and resonate deeply in your heart and will maybe just light the flame, light or, or, or sort of breathe on that flame that might just be flickering down there and, and create in you a desire for a, a greater desire. It'll create in you a thirst for a greater thirst creating you a, a longing for a greater longing for God. Let me pray for you. Father, today we come before you. We just, we're imperfect. We've, we've messed up. We've, we, we haven't done everything that you've called us to do. 2013 is gone, and we want this year to be different. We want to love you. We want to be close to you. We want to change our world, God. We really desperately want to change our world. We want to be game changers. We want to be world changers. We want to transform our community. And we, we know that we can't do that through the wooden, boring, tedious uh, acts of religion. We need to be deeply, deeply filled with your spirit. And so, God, we long for you today. We reach out for you today. We ask you, Lord, to permeate our lives today. We ask you to soak, soak us in your spirit today, God. Let us feel your love. Let us be nurtured and sustained by you. Let us abide deeply in your love as you abide in our hearts. We thank you for this. We worship and praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. Can